the war in Ukraine has also impact on the wider cybersecurity scheme. Just because uh, this conflict has messed up the uh, cybercrime groupings in Europe, has split, has made them more active, and thereby um, attacks in general in cyberspace have increased. Welcome to the Digital Government Podcast. Tune in to discover the future of governance and ways of getting there. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Digital Government Podcast with your usual host, Federico Plantera, journalist, sociologist, and researcher today with another familiar voice of the Digital Government Podcast, who is Merle Maigre, head of the Cybersecurity Competence Center here at the Governance Academy. So, Merle, welcome back, and welcome back as a guest. Hi, thank you. So today we're going to address something that we sort of like mentioned and hinted at uh, throughout the past months, I would say, because today's topic is exactly how the war has changed the government's attitudes and uh, positioning, let's say, towards cybersecurity and cyber defense. Essentially, the shape and the forms that cybersecurity mm, takes, let's say, in the times of war. And the war that we're referring to in this case is mostly, obviously, the one in uh, Ukraine uh, following Russia's aggression. It is important to specify that because in any case, there are other conflicts happening at the moment in, uh, uh, in the world in a very turbulent, let's say, international situation all around Europe. Uh, the one that we are exactly referring to now is uh, the one between Ukraine and Russia also because even though one of the times that we met in the past, we were saying how in the very beginning it seemed that the war in Ukraine was taking a bit more of a classic traditional kinetic shape, then it was not anymore the case because that has been accompanied by a number of activities that not only towards Ukraine, but also towards other countries happened do, uh, basically at the hand of malicious actors in the following months and in the most recent months or most recent months even of this year. So Merle, let's start exactly from this topic. Like already when I was doing the introduction, no, I used two terms, cybersecurity and cyber defense. So just to introduce today's topic, but also to draw a general distinction that is always good to know before we delve deeper into uh, into the theme. What is the difference between cybersecurity and cyber defense? Why do we use these two terms? And maybe they are not that interchangeable as uh, I, for example, might use them. Right. This is um, a pertinent question. And I, I think it's indeed relevant to differentiate between cybersecurity and cyber defense. You have mentioned how our behavior uh, is influenced by Russia's war of aggression in, in Ukraine. Um, makes me want to also, prior to dwelling into the definitions, just to, to make sure or, or to mention that, yes, there is this action going on in Ukraine as related to Russia's war in Ukraine. But this war has impact, has geopolitical impact wider than just Ukraine. It uh, And we have seen it already 
in in action. It has impact on the Caucasus region for the uh, conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh between uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan, and Georgia is involved in that as well. It has impact uh, more widely on Eastern partnership countries, and it has equally importance and relevance on the Western Balkan region, where different sides are watching very carefully how Russia and Ukraine are doing and are interpreting um, things for themselves and be and that has impact on the on on the geopolitical peace and security in the Western Balkans. So that's why it is important, I think, to div- to talk about cyber in this context. Cybersecurity, for me, is a very general term. Uh, it means preservation of confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information in the cyberspace, the good old CIA triad. And this is something that uh, we, uh, we do here also at the Governance Academy in the context of rapid digitalization and exponential growth of cyber attacks and uh, sorry in the in the context of rapid digitalization there is an exponential growth of cyber attacks naturally and thereby it's important to uh, to pay attention to the cybersecurity cyber defense for me has a more military association it addresses defensive military cyber capacities with the responsibility for the defense of sovereignty territorial integrity and constitutional order and countries do that also in the sphere of cyber and cyber defense thereby for me mostly engages the military actors so that's how we differentiate these two terms here at the governance academy yeah because something that we've seen uh, and that we've heard not only let's say in the episodes of this podcast but as well for example in uh, seminars panels i remember at the Tallinn Digital Summit, where there was also the session that you took part in uh, on cybersecurity with representatives from uh, the Balkan countries. Uh, countries do have uh, national assets that can be also digital. And as a consequence, when there is a, an act of war, essentially, uh, targeted towards them, then it when we talk about cybersecurity, we might have to talk about cyber defense in the sense of including this military and defense aspect as a, as a salient component, essentially, of a cybersecurity strategy. So something that we might exactly mm, definitely like look into a little more is uh, what has happened in the field of cyber defense, for example, uh, in the past months compared to what we saw before the invasion of February 24 of last year at the hand of Russia and at the expenses of Ukraine. What do I mean with this is, has there been any particular change, let's say, in your opinion that you have noticed in terms of uh, trends or uh, uh, things essentially that governments are uh, looking into and paying attention to when it comes to cyber defense? When talking of the cyber defense, well, when talking of both of these terms, I think the war in Ukraine has also impact on the wider cybersecurity scheme. Just because uh, this conflict has messed up the uh, cybercrime groupings in Europe, has split, has made them more active, and thereby um, attacks in general in cyberspace have increased. Countries have invested more into their cyber defense 
uh, tool sets um, in Estonia and beyond, and the need to take cybersecurity more seriously is not just for the military, uh, not just for the cyber defense actors, but also for the whole cybersecurity stakeholders, for national search, for the uh, for the ministries uh, dealing with policy making, for the private sector, and for the uh, civil. A civil society as well as for the academia. Now, if we talk about what's lately, how has the war in Ukraine impacted the cyber defense field? I would say that there are a number of takeaways uh, from Ukraine's cyber defense, uh, such as the need to prepare early, uh, to uh, to uh, to prepare for cyber defense before. The, the things get very hot, so to say. Um, Russia's uh, planned cyber offensive in Ukraine was sign- significantly undercut uh, by early and proactive defense actions in Ukraine. And that is definitely a takeaway for all others to learn. It is, secondly, the relevance and importance of institutional adaption, where uh, where you no plan survives first contact with the adversary but when in conflict there is a need to be flexible there is the takeaway of the need to absorb external support when talking of partner nations and the uh, the uh, relevance or lesson to expand to the cloud. But I would say this goes beyond the mere cyber defense field and also covers the cybersecurity actors. But in your opinion, based on what you've seen so far you know, in the last, uh, I would say, 12 months, you know, do you think that these things that we have, uh, I mean, we you said that there are some takeaways that we have exactly uh, just listed in terms of what we can draw as some like conclusions and learnings, let's say, from the... Um, from the invasion uh, in Ukraine, from Russia's invasion in Ukraine. But one question that I would ask you on this point is, do you think, based on what you see today, let's say, in the agenda of governments on cybersecurity and cyber defense, do you think that what's today in these agendas does reflect and mirror the concerns or the problems, let's say, that we've seen arise following uh, Russia's actions in Ukraine? When we above all talk to EU member states and maybe EU NATO member states I can definitely see um, and and perhaps we uh, when even going a little bit beyond but I think uh, countries that have the resources uh, who have established governance system um, and had the luxury to really be able to mobilize their resources in cybersecurity have definitely, Uh, done so even more over the last 12 months. Uh, So EU NATO member states, uh, I I would say, uh, regarding their cyber agenda or regarding the cyber agenda of these governments today, um, there is very much the need to conduct comprehensive risk and crisis management because of this conflict, uh, this war in Ukraine, because it has impact on, on all of us. Uh, what do I mean more specifically? It is the uh, the need to increase the speed and scale of intelligence sharing and victim notification. Uh, it is about deterring 
and disrupting criminal and other malicious cyber actors um, that could be directed against national interests. It's also the challenge of how to hire experienced experts and uh, increase the decision-making competence in the government side. So that's one cluster of activities or, or things on the agenda related to the risk and crisis management. There is also the need to more acute need to strengthen the cyber ecosystem more uh, generally because it's not just the government itself that uh, needs to be more alert, but also the private sector. So altogether, this forms a cyber ecosystem and it's about how to maintain structures, partnerships and networks necessary to support this whole of society approach to cyber, which I think is something that has been in the Estonian mindset more or less maybe after the um, attacks of 2007. But this whole of society approach in, in many other countries is something that has um, has really sinked in maybe more over the course of past 12 months. Thirdly, I think there's the what's on the agenda is the international cooperation as, as a need sort of to pull sources together, not to be siloed countries on their own, but to but to work together to build coalitions to counter threats, uh, to uh, to strengthen international partner capacity, and to uh, also uh, yes um, strengthen the democratic vision of the digital ecosystem. And last but not least, uh, cyber literate society, looking at more at at increasing people's overall cyber hygiene, digital literacy, and October, which is, uh, which is known to be the cybersecurity months, month, is, is, is definitely a time to do it even more than on average. Yes, and on this note, I would recommend everyone to actually go and check out one of the previous episodes of uh, the Digital Government Podcast, where we actually reposted the full conversation that happened at the Tallinn Digital Summit, and that included you and also uh, Preet Dinkel, other expert and known voice of the Governance Academy, uh, in the discussion. And that was called, and you can also find under the same name, Safeguarding Digital Systems in the Western Balkans, because exactly in that panel participated as well, uh, Dujan uh, Polovic, or Polovic, I don't know how to pronounce it, and Iglitafa, who are two representatives exactly of the governments of Albania, the latter, and the first instead, for Montenegro. Uh, so what that tells us is that there had, there is definitely uh, raising concerns about uh, the, yeah, from the consequences or also awareness, like concerns that do match with awareness, let's say, of the risks that come out of what happened. But something that I remember from that discussion, for example, when I listened to it, it was how, uh, if I'm not wrong, it was... Uh, uh, the Montenegro representative first, and then also the Albanian one agreeing on that, essentially, that there has to be some sharing of uh, intelligence information and uh, information regarding how mm, the threats were analyzed, how what were the responses exactly to create something that goes beyond the national borders of a single state in terms of intelligence, awareness, and ability to respond, let's say to these threats, but that could also benefit a more in general, a regional block of countries that might be uh, targeted by these threats. So 
the regional bloc that we're talking about, Western Balkans, if we then also stretch that to another country that you have mentioned uh, previously, such as Georgia, we're all talking about countries that are partnering with e-governance academy in terms of their activities and where we do have projects there that regard cybersecurity and cyber defense. So could you maybe tell us a little more exactly about what are these governments' main concerns, let's say, but that, but those that donor organizations and e-governance academy as well through their activities are, uh, are addressing and are tackling in this moment? Sure. Absolutely. I think that some of the main concerns that the e-governance academy is also addressing, mostly in Western Balkans, but also in Georgia, along with Moldova and Ukraine, include first the need to analyze relevant cybersecurity governance models, um, to analyze these models in EU member member states, and then introduce international governance practices and provide guidance about governance and awareness uh, to these countries because ultimately um, all of them are seeking EU membership and and EU is seeking for them to come closer to the European Union. It is also about raising cybersecurity awareness, raising this awareness among higher level decision makers we have done that very successfully through organizing series of tabletop exercises in uh, in North Macedonia, in Montenegro, as well as in Moldova, for example. Um, another area is the need to improve cybersecurity crisis communication and media communication skills, because, as you very rightly said, uh, our friends in Albania and Montenegro, uh, two countries that have uh, recently undergone a large-scale crisis themselves about a year ago, uh, learned it from first-hand experience that in order to receive international help and assistance in cybersecurity, you first have to share uh, about your situation with international allies and uh, how to do it, how to inform the allies, how to inform the media, how to inform the public, how to communicate is something that uh, can be learned. Uh, and this is something we, we help to do. Not to speak of um, workshops on international legal framework, um, cyber diplomats engagement, but also moving on to more technical types of workshops and training, such as increasing the operational capabilities of C-certs, uh, providing technical exercises and technical trainings to respond to cyber attacks is something we, uh, we are going to do uh, in Georgia very soon as part of the European Peace Facility Project and something that we already do in Moldova with their armed forces, uh, improving their availability to react to incidents and and uh, do that in a simulated through simulated cyber drills. Ah, the simulated cyber drills. I think I remember also another episode on this than uh, cy- with with Cybex, if I'm not wrong. But but I think that one thing that I would like to single out from uh, what you just said is exactly that. Maybe when it comes to the topics of uh, cyber defense, cybersecurity, something that involves in any case like such sensitive policy areas, let's say for uh, governments, maybe there is you know mm, a widespread conviction that. Mm, transparency some somehow it's not allowed let's say in those fields because there has to be you know like some secrecy about what happens and stuff and like handling things on your own but instead is exactly 
transparency as well about the attacks received and the response that you have provided to them, that in a regional context where there are blocks of countries that do face similar threats that can help others exactly not uh, live through the same thing exactly. So mm, transparency, I was just wanted, I just wanted to talk about this word because it's something that we talk about when it comes to, you know, access to data or like public services in general, but that is something that could apply as well in the sphere. I feel you will correct me, obviously, if I'm wrong on this. Well, transparency about what happened, I think, starts at home first. Uh, I think it's it's first about within one country, the idea about different agencies being transparent about what happened uh, so that they could work together and share the situation, uh, share the threat picture and share the um, status quo. Uh, that's where it starts. Uh, so uh, learning to help oneself within at national level first. And then if uh, one believes that a regional a region is such where your neighbors could come to help, um, this is not always necessarily the, re the, the situation. Nope. So if it's not the case, you may not want to share all the, uh, the situation with your neighbors. But if, if there are allies, you would like to uh, reach out for help. It is, of course, important to share the situation with them because um, without it, they cannot help you. And speaking of allies, Something else that you have mentioned throughout this conversation is exactly the role of the EU in this. Uh, because mm, while it is certain, let's say, that the learnings, let's say the lessons learned from these countries uh, after going through cyber attacks and also the moment of responding to the cyber attacks can definitely be of use as well to countries that are not necessarily, you know, part of that block, but that are interested in the cybersecurity and cyber defense situation and cyber stability, let's say, of the general area. This also hints at the fact that there is in any case an interest uh, by the side of the European Union, let's say, in order to increase the cyber capabilities of these countries and the general cyber safety, let's say, of the regional bloc. What I'm referring to with this is the fact that there are mm, there is something that is called the Eastern Partnership, and there are countries that are part of this Eastern Partnership that European uh, Union member states are actively collaborating with in terms of financing or like in terms of more direct um, cooperation in that sense. So one thing that I would like to know is, uh, and I think that we can also like mm, go towards the conclusion, let's say, of this episode, uh, is why in your opinion has it become you know, maybe even more important to the EU than it was before to support the Eastern Partnership countries in uh, improving their cyber military or cyber defense capabilities? Well, I would actually say that it's important for the European Union to help the Western Balkan and some select Eastern Partnership countries because uh, as the year comes to, uh, to an end, very soon we will be hearing probably from the EU about another enlargement uh, enlargement wave and and these countries some of them at least will very likely get uh, an invitation to join the European Union so as that uh, signal is being contemplated behind behind closed doors in Brussels in uh, in preparing for it it is important for the European Union to prepare these 
possible potential future member countries in all spheres, including cyber. So uh, Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, Montenegro, North Macedonia and Serbia, as well as as Ukraine, Moldova and Georgia particularly are countries that are uh, on very much on EU's radar and are countries that are um, getting support Uh, not just in the civilian sphere, so to say, but also very often in uh, their cyber defense fields. In the, uh, the, the so EU is supporting these countries' uh, armed forces and military, uh, so that that side also boosts its cyber defense skills. And it is done more recently because EU has come up with a new Uh, tool, which is called European Peace Facility, uh, which has been active ever since the new uh, EU's uh, multi-annual financial uh, period. And prior, that tool was aimed largely to the uh, to uh, EU neighboring countries in the south in Africa. Now that also has been expanded to the uh, eastern neighbors. So if today you were in the position of being an official responsible for uh, cybersecurity or maybe like even like a decision maker at a legislative or like a, a legislative level, so for example, a politician, let's say, having to address the topic of cyber defense or, I don't know, something that uh, I, used to, uh, I used to think of sometimes when I was writing about complicated topics is how would I explain it to my grandma? No? I know that cyber defense, it's a bit hard to explain uh, to, to, to my grandma. But uh, if you were instead in, uh, the, um, in, in the position of an official having to, for example, address that in a public forum, let's say, to citizens, uh, what would you think that are, uh, what would you say, actually, that are, the um, main points to focus on in order to ensure exactly this resilience and security of the cyberspace. And I think we can wrap this episode on that. Well, I would, yes, wrap it up by underlining the importance of the whole of society approach also in cybersecurity. I would underline that cybersecurity nor cyber defense, they are not a separate issue, but they should be seen as part of the government's wider agenda and uh, as, as, as inherent part of the national cybersecurity strategy. So cybersecurity strategies is part of the overall national cyber national uh, strategy uh, that uh, that is protecting or looking after security, national defense, foreign policy and economic development. So cyber is part of the whole. Cyber is part of the whole and Merle Maigre, thanks again for joining us today in this new episode of the Digital Government Podcast. Thank you. And good luck, obviously, to the rest of your activities as the head of the Competence Center, because I know that you will be traveling a lot in the, in the coming weeks. But instead, to all our audience who tuned, us, who tuned in today, again, for another episode, and uh, uh, to listen, essentially, to this uh, new review of cybersecurity and cyber defense during the Cybersecurity Month, which is October. Thanks a lot to all of you. And... That's it from your host. So I hope to see you all again at the next episode of the podcast. Have a good one. This podcast is brought to you by the eGovernance Academy. Tune in next time.